everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Andre Hutchins, and you are listening to Backseat Directors. And today is a brand new kind of episode and one that I am very excited to share with you. Today's episode is called What's Hot? And it is a new monthly segment with my friends and movie bloggers from Life of Films, Ryan and Simon. What's Hot with Life of Films? On What's Hot, we will discuss two big movie news headlines that occurred this month, and we'll choose one movie score composer to highlight from a movie that debuted this month as well. And most of you already may recognize Ryan from our episode 12 movie review of King Arthur, but this will be Simon's first appearance on the show. You guys, what's going on? Yo, how's it how going? How we going? All hey. good? Yeah, it's all good. What about you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Pr- pretty good. Pretty, pretty chilled out. I think um, this is the first time that you've had three people on the show, isn't it? Am I right or am I wrong? <laughs> A second time, second time. but uh... Second time. Which one, which one did you do three on with it? Yeah, so my, my I think it was my very, it was the third episode, so pretty recent. I had I had my dad and my brother do a movie review with me and uh, oh, nice. <laughs> haven't done it since, but uh, I think I'm a lot more prepared this time and I think uh, our audio quality is going to be a lot better too. <laughs> Good stuff. Awesome. Good yeah, stuff. So Ryan and Simon, is they're joining me all the way from the UK right now here in Utah. It is almost 12.30 p.m. exactly, so right around lunchtime. What about you guys? It is 7.30 in the evening. <laughs> so I'm fed and watered for the evening, and it was, uh, it, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Chilled out now. All right, guys. Well, hey, I'm, I'm super excited to have you guys on. You know, uh, and Simon, you and I haven't been able to talk as much as uh, Ryan and I, but I definitely look forward to uh, getting to know you more, working with you guys more. But, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is something that Ryan and I have been discussing for quite a few weeks now, and... Uh, something that we just wanted to be able to produce together to where we could get kind of this collaborative work from backseat directors and life of films. And, uh, yeah, I just, I love what you guys do from life of films and, uh, I'm yeah, just really excited to have this new episode with you guys. So, but first, first of all, we're so, and, and I just explained this to Simon, but for our listeners, even though this is Simon's first time on the episode or the, on the podcast, we're going to forego the guest questions or the get to know you questions. And we'll save that for when he actually gets to do a movie review with me. But, but just, just a couple questions, see where you guys are at in your movie watching right now. Um, what, what was the last movie each of you have seen like the most recent one and what is kind of your next movie you plan on watching? So Simon, why don't you go first? Uh, I actually went to the cinema on Friday with Ryan to see Transformers, the latest Transformers. So yeah, that was uh, it was a good experience. I enjoyed it. Um, not so much the film per se, but the uh, the quality of the place <laughs> we saw it was was great in terms of sound and sight. It was it was uh, yeah, it was great. Really good. Uh, well, I, I heard from Ryan uh, just at least on Twitter that uh, the IMAX theater that you guys were planning on going to was wasn't working or something like that. Yeah, I think um, another friend of ours that booked it, there was a strange a strange sort of set of circumstances. It just sounded like they got the booking wrong. It was a bit, I don't know, so what was it, Roy? Uh, it was weird, yeah. We got emailed saying that um, it was going to be IMAX 2D, not 3D. So, And then later on in the day, they were like, actually, no, it's not even going to be 2D, 2D and the show is not even going to be on anymore. So they gave us a refund, and then we, we changed up, didn't we? So we went to um a screening called x plus that's near us where they had the uh, um some people might be aware of it a the 
Dolby um, Atmos, which is the new um, setup by Dolby, which has got like, I think it's something like 40 speakers. It's mad. There's like 10 on the roof, like 10 on either side. So it's a, in terms of seeing Transformers with a setup like that, with the sound, it was, it was pretty mental. But yeah, that was yeah. the last film I saw as well. It was, um, I think, yeah, the, the the film, like I say, the film itself wasn't, you know, my favourite, but the fact that it was a good film to see in terms of the actual um, action and the, everything going on with the, the, the speakers and the, you know, everything coming from behind you and left and right, and they can pinpoint a different sound to a specific speaker. So it was actually, in that respect, quite a good film to, to you know, experience it somewhere, somewhere like that. Yeah, they've got a few of those theaters out here where I live that have the Dolby Atmos uh, surround sound system, and uh, it is it's it's a pretty big difference from when you go to you know just a normal theater that doesn't have that type of setup to where you, where you go and experience yeah. it. Yeah, and when you experience it with a movie that's really made for it, like you know, like Transformers. But uh, yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Okay, well, so both of you, that was the most recent movie you just you just got done seeing. Uh, what what is the next movie you guys plan on seeing? Um, next movie actually one. I discussed that today um, going to go see Baby Driver next Tuesday I think nice nice uh, is, that, is that, yeah. that just tomorrow for you guys uh, or a, no, week, a week from tomorrow I think it's out it's out this week on Friday I think from, okay cool um, from memory so no it'll be, it'll be next week we'll go see it um, we have a thing over here called Meerkat Tuesdays and Wednesdays which is not a shame you might have something similar over there but uh, buy one, get one free on Tuesdays and Wednesdays if you've bought insurance through this company called Compare the Market. Nice. Well, that sounds like a pretty nice setup. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's, it's actually quite difficult to explain to people that um, aren't familiar with it, really, isn't it? I've just, that's yeah. only just, just yeah. come across. I've only just come across uh, that. They're, um, they're, because it's Compare the Market, it sounds like Meerkat, and it's all this this thing that they've, this old marketing they've done over here in there. Their mascots, they have two little mascots that are two little meerkats. And, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit weird. But any UK listeners, I'm sure we have some UK listeners as well, because we'll be, we'll be punching this out on our end. We'll be fully aware of this. But anyone over in the States, we're, we're not completely weird. It does make sense. <laughs> well, so Tuesday's kind of the, it's like the discount night over here, at least at least in the state where I live. And uh, they call it, basically, it's just like family night. And so it's it's even less than matinee matinee is usually around seven bucks for a ticket and uh you right. yes yeah, so on tuesday you can go see a movie for for five dollars so yeah it's pretty cheap <laughs> usually that's, yeah. that's the that's the day we usually go at least with me and my wife but uh simon what about you what's the next movie you plan on seeing next i i was i was going to say spider-man homecoming i was, I, was I, had that, I had that as in my head as being the next next thing i would i would see i think that's is that the fifth of july uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, I think it mm-hmm. is. Um, and but I think a, a baby driver completely washed over me. So I think I actually that might well be the next thing I I see as well. I'll probably you know attend that with you, Roy. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, well, I was I was pretty fortunate to actually see get into a screening of Baby Driver, and uh, <laughs> oh nice. Oh my man, you guys, it was it was so good. It was so good. I, I'm pretty sure you guys are gonna love it. It'll be fun to talk to you guys about Baby Driver after after you're able to go see it but uh for me honestly i i think it's a movie we're seeing again in theater so I'll, I'll try to find some time to go see it again once it actually debuts here i think it comes out i actually think it comes out wednesday which is kind of weird here in you uh, at least in the u.s because 
um, movies normally and typically debut Friday. When they say Friday, yes, they mean. actually mean Thursday night. So a Wednesday, yeah, yeah Wednesday debut is uh, it's definitely out of the norm. But uh, yeah, no, awesome guys, good choices. So uh, okay, let's go ahead and move on to our uh, our uh, just uh, one of two segments, and that is our big movie news. Big movie news. Okay, so Ryan, I think you're going to go first on uh, the uh, the movie news from the month of June that you wanted to discuss, and then after Ryan, we'll go ahead and hear from Simon. So Ryan, time is yours. Okay, so today, I think one of the good things that's really hit everyone in the face for the last few weeks, um, especially people that are into their um, comic book films, which is a lot of people, is that um, Amy Pascal, the producer of Spider-Man, kind of put her foot in it with... Um, with referring to how Venom, um, the Venom movie with to- played with Tom Hardy as the lead, how it incorporates um, with the Marvel universe, and there seems to have been a bit of confusion there because everyone was under- on the understanding that that it would essentially be separate. That the only thing that would connect it would be Tom Tom Holland Spider Man, with him be- being both in the the MCU and and Sony's universe. And I think there's there's a bit of a bit of confusion and i still don't think it, it's properly cleared up at this stage but um recently um pascal came out with a with a message to kind of tell people that um that she was misunderstood which i'll just uh, read out now but everyone seems to have a totally me misunderstood what i said and i'm so glad to have the chance to say it all the characters are a part of the marvel comic book universe and they're all Interrated in the universe, Spider-Man is now part of the MCU, and he has created to be in the beginning. The other things that Sony are doing, which are characters from Marvel comic universe, are independent, separate franchises. Both Venom and Silver Sable, and the Black Cat. So there, she's there, kind of putting it a bit straight that there is there is a clear divide going on there. Yeah, and there, Sorry. gosh, there's there's a lot of confusion. I think with at least the casual moviegoers as to um, how or who owns the rights to these comic book movies, you know, and, uh, and, and you guys might be able to explain that a little bit better than I, I can, because I, I think you guys are more, <laughs> you guys are, are, are more into the comic book scene in terms of what you guys, you know, uh, just, yeah, just all the ins and outs that, you know, from Marvel and DC and things like that. But, and, and Ryan, correct me where I'm wrong, because, uh, I, this, this is what I know and understand from, uh, from how the Marvel Cinematic Universe's universe operates, um, uh, aside from the other Marvel movies that have been made, but not from the Disney-owned Marvel Studios, you know. So, so I, I guess some number of years ago, Marvel, the comic book company Marvel, sold the rights to make the films of certain comic book characters to to certain movie studios, but retained the rights to others. So when Disney bought Marvel and then they created the Marvel Cinematic Universe starting with the first Iron Man movie, they had kind of their core characters, which are the Avengers, but Spider-Man, um, X-Men, Deadpool, and all these other characters that we've seen outside of Disney Marvel, um, they're owned by other movie studios. And so actually getting Spider-Man to appear in the Avengers movie from, when was that, just last year? Um, was actually a big, big feat by Sony and by Marvel, I, I, I guess. And so, uh, how? 
kind of kind of give some more insight as how that relates to this new Venom movie and and, and basically how it's totally different and separate from what we know as the MCU. So so yeah, so that's a good point. Obviously, to to kind of clarify it. So so yeah, so because of the because they're owned by different studios due to it's a long time ago that to be honest in regards to why uh, Marvel sold off their characters so it didn't go yeah I was thinking that I was struggling, that, struggling to recall it myself it's, yeah um, I, I think it was I think it was down to financial issues back in the day with um, with Marvel struggling with their comic books they did sell the rights to the movie ownerships to different um, to different studios so Fox right. own X-Men um, and Fantastic Four from memory off the top of my head yep. and anything related within that, those universes so kind of by that it's usually what kind of characters were introduced in that universe so that's very similar so why um why fox had the right to do like silver surfer um in like fantastic four um two so and then same very similar the same with how fox own x-men and all the characters within that universe as well because not all of them are essentially x-men but there's mutants and stuff and they own you own the rights to that, and now doesn't, doesn't that with, yeah doesn't that include Deadpool? Deadpool was Fox, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deadpool's Fox, yeah, exactly. Um, and so he's classed as a mutant, as everyone says in the film, because his mutant gene is accelerated and gives him the ability to do that. But he's not not a part of the X Men themselves. But and then also then with Sony owning Spider Man, um, and they own everything involved in essentially the Spider Man universe. So they own all of his. Um, all the villains and everything and the confusion i think that's massive is what's happened is that they they've Sony and marvel have struck a deal to be to share spider-man so i think it, it's a good it's a good thing because i think that sony have struggled to be able to really get spider-man to the heights of which you should getting to so putting him into the universe that he's in now the marvel universe it really gives spider-man that recognition and then also gives sony something to kind of tag along with and therefore, I think something like Venom will, will will probably sell well because a lot of people don't understand the this whole financial thing and who who owns who. So I think now people know that this is a Venom that relates to the Spider Man, and the Spider Man's in the the Marvel universe. It's 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 very it's a bit of a mess to be honest, <laughs> but I can I can see I can see why I can see why they've done it. And to be honest, myself, I I'm really really into this stuff. And myself, I don't really understand what's what's happened massively people are so many people now saying so many different stuff going back on what people have said and it's just it's just becoming a big a big mess now really and i it's something i've actually tweeted about quite a lot through our life of films account because because i i read the news stuff all the time and it's I, I can't i can't really probably get my head around what's going on because the amount of people now they're just backtracking on everything and it's it's not good i don't think it's good for the film that's coming out in in a couple of weeks but um sorry what do you think about it well, I think the thing I take from from it the most is the fact that uh, being a big fan of of the the sort of cartoons and stuff as a kid, um, you know, thinking I sort I sort of can't help but sort of hark back to that. So for me, it was like, you know, it's a real shame that you won't see like, um, for example, Spider Man and the X Men on the same film because on the same screen because it was um, there were so many like great storylines in those you know, those, those cartoons and comics that were just, uh, well, I mean, at the moment, we're not going to see it. Who knows with this sort of Sony and, um, 
Disney Marvel deal with uh, Spider-Man. Who, you know, who, who knows what we'll see in the future. But at the minute, there's so many things they can't do that would be so great to see, you know, given what we've already experienced with other successful, you know, superhero films. So that that's what I take from it the most, because if I try and sort of make sense of any of the rest of it you know you're much much more invested in that side of things than me right and uh you know so for me it's just a, a shame from the actual um past to present point of view if you like yeah yeah, well, uh, yeah so uh, my my take on it because i think i can relate more to the to the casual moviegoer and someone who's not as invested within you know the comic book scene and knowing the intricacies of, of Marvel and Spider-Man and everything else that goes into it. But this is, you know, it, it really is messy. And, and from an outsider perspective, this is the third time that the Spider-Man movie franchise has been rebooted. You know, so we first had the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man uh, movies in the early 2000s, which which I think a lot of people really like those. Uh, you know, m- maybe not so much the third one, which actually did have Venom in it. Um, right. That was a, yeah. That was a that was a big sticking point for me because it just wasn't used. Like Venom was like when that film came out, I was young and uh, a lot younger. So I was in the middle of you know sort of child not childhood but you know late teens and, and adulthood. And it was like that. I was really excited for number three. In fact, I actually remember talking to Rye about it, and uh, it was like it was just it was just he wasn't used he was like half the size it was just there's so many things half the size he should have been he didn't look the best it was and he was in it for about 20 minutes if right right it was um so that was one of the biggest you know back then that was right at the start of like the the sort of superhero type you know on on the on the big screen really wasn't it they were some of the early ones the 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 original spider-man and stuff yeah, yeah. Well, and then Sony tries to do it again, and they reboot it with uh, oh, oh, who's who's the actor? Uh, Garfield? Andrew Garfield. Yeah, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. yeah, and and I like those. I, I actually thought they did yeah. a decent job, but again, it's like they rebooted the entire story. They tell the origin again of Spider-Man, and now here we go again with this Marvel uh, Sony, you know, uh, collaborative work to reboot Spider-Man for the third time, and so. You know, uh, but yeah, and as it relates to Venom, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what your guys' personal opinions are, but I, I, I would like to see Spider-Man in the Venom movie, wouldn't you guys? Or, or, or do you think it could well, stand it, alone it's, on itself? No, I've, I've, um, it's a weird one actually because this is one of the things where I feel quite passionate about. This is, is you can't have Venom without Spider-Man. Yeah, like it's the whole point. Anyone that's in Spider-Man three, but generally the whole arc itself is is that Venom is a symbiote and it takes on kind of its host's host characteristics. Therefore, it, it, had to, it, has to, it, it has to have been on Spider-Man at some point. But yet, we're going to get a Venom film, but yet we're having a Spider-Man that's like only still at school and very young. He can't have gone, and he still seems to be learning the ropes, he can't have gone through the whole black suit phase. So it's missing out a massive chunk of something that I've, I've personally really enjoyed that story myself. And it's 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 again it's just all so messy i like i've picked this as a a bit of news to talk about because of how messy it is not because i know so much about it because i don't think anyone does really because i read so many different articles so many different people saying so many different stuff and it's 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 a massive mess and they're they're ruining for me personally they're ruining one of the one of my favorite storylines in in the spider-man universe it's it's a shame. The only positive light at the moment is that Tom Hardy is going to be is um, going to be a lead in it. But he he pulls out of stuff left, right, and centre. He's pulled out some films before, 
So I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to hold my breath on him not pulling out especially after all of this as well which he's a he's a good actor and he's respected when you want to put his name to all this mess that's happened and he's only been he's only been acknowledged as, as Venom for about a month I think so it's yeah not good. Yeah. Well, I- anything else on uh, on your new segment Ryan before we move on to Simons? No, I think I think that's it. I think we've got um it's a really good talking point and anyone that wants to discuss it further with me or Sai or Andre then yeah, I'm sure you've got our Twitters, but if not, um, you can you'll be able to find it on the bio of this podcast, no doubt. So just come over and we want to know what you what you think, really, because it it's a mess. And let's um, let's hear your thoughts and let's discuss it a bit further. But no, over to you, Sai. Sure. Um, well, I have been uh, looking. Well, the thing that stood out for me the most from June was the old the whole untitled Han Solo film. Um, and the uh, the big fallout between the the president of Lucasfilm and uh, the directors Phil Lord and Chris Miller, um, and where they go from here, really, with the with the film. Um, so what I uh, I mean it's, it's all again for us continuing the uh, the mess theme, right? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it has seemed a bit of a mess i mean i was reading something about how that from the very beginning they didn't seem to i think it was vanity fair they said about how they didn't seem to get on very well with each other from the beginning um you know it was the, you know for example kathleen kennedy who is the president of lucasfilm she wanted quote from vanity fair here 12 to 15 uh camera setups for one scene and the the casual approach from Lord and Miller only used three at certain times, so it's just it seems to be a fallout that was uh, down to the every single detail really. Um, and I think it's I think I think it's a real shame in the sense that they seem to you've got Han Solo who's clearly a big um, comic influence um, on the whole Star Wars um, scenarios. You know, he's he's one of the funny guys, really, isn't he? Everybody sort of recognises him as the, the the macho man, and he's got the one-liners, you know, and things like that. So when you consider that they've directed, you know, Lego Movie, Twenty One Jump Street, they've all they've got the right approach, certainly from the humour point of view. So to see them fall out over other um, circumstances was quite quite a shame, really. But I do think that I mean, it's also weird. You consider the fact that. They've only got. I think I read something like they've got four, three or four weeks left of shooting, having already been shooting for something like four and a half, five months. Yeah, yeah. So to lose them so late um, and have Ron Howard come in, which is a, a great positive. You know, let's 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 say that. Um, how much influence is he going to have, um, and how much of their influence is going to be left? Um, so I think it's I think it's yeah it's going to be quite quite interesting really um, yeah yeah and you guys I mean I, I kind of want to know what was most surprising about this for you guys but I I think you already touched on Simon what is was just shocking absolutely shocking to me is how how late in the filmmaking process this decision came I mean this this movie is supposed to come out next May you know there, there's, yeah you know with only a couple weeks left of shooting you know they're they're basically done in terms of directing for this film and then all of a sudden they're fired i i mean that that was that was shocking to me I, you would you would think you would think if kathleen kennedy the executive of lucasfilm had issues with the directors that she hired 
you know, that she hired for this yeah. solo standalone film, that they would have been, you know, clearly aware of these of these issues, you know, long before this this actual you know story broke. That you know well, that that maybe yeah. they would have gone in a different direction months ago. But well, certainly when it seems to have been you know doomed from the start, um, if you like, it just they they got off on the wrong foot. As I say, there was just um you know they, they with the, like i say with the, the the 12 to 15 cameras that they were expecting and they've only got three for one certain takes and then you've got things like they're allowed to they're allowing the actors to improvise lines and you know the screenwriters just absolutely weren't happy with that because it was because it was you know not the approach to you know star wars generally i know i know harrison right. ford improvised lines didn't he in, in, right in the earlier yeah and, and miller films. and lord yeah they said that 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 is a, a very um recognizable direct directorial trait from lord and miller is that they they love improvisation from their actors whereas you know kathleen kennedy and others uh, some of the other producers on on the Star Wars team, you know, they <laughs> they they don't want improv. They want the lines. No, read. the script's yeah. there for a reason, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, it just seems a bit. Everything. Every I read more and more about it, and more and more of it just stuns me. It's uh, it's it's mad, really. Like you said, it's so late in the day, and surely if this sort of stuff was being flagged earlier, I just can't. I just can't believe they've. I'm I'm sad that it's come to this because, like I say, Twenty One Drum Street Lego Movie. They're both funny films. Lego Movie was so much better than anybody thought it was going to be. You know, oh, the, the premise could have really bombed, couldn't it? So yeah. it was like, you know, a, a brilliant, brilliant take on it all, and some real humour in there. And you know, it, like I say, should have lent itself to the to the Han Solo side of things, but it's clear that that wasn't nearly enough in terms of approach because they've obviously according to um lucasfilm and, and everyone higher than them have have got more faults than than positives but i i don't i don't for one minute believe that i just think you know to, to the approach to this film is uh clearly something that they felt but let's face it i think the han solo film itself was um i think how do you word it uh not necessarily everybody's favorite choice from the word go anyway in terms of a, a standalone movie so yeah. i think it was always uh kind of you know a dodgy dodgy start and dodgy ground from from early days clearly really yeah and and so and um so variety magazine is one of the one of the magazines um that really gets kind of exclusive looks uh behind star wars and the star wars set and just a just a quick quote that I just saw on uh, one of the articles released last week when this news broke is that it said okay. it said it was it was a culture clash from day one and Kathleen Kennedy didn't even like the way they folded their socks and so when I read stuff like that yeah like it just <laughs> it, it really it it really just adds to kind of the shock factor of of how how this went on for so long and yet no decision was made until now but. But I guess uh, what what do you guys think of uh, the choice for uh, choosing Ron Howard to replace uh, Lord and Miller? Well, I think that um, I'll um, yeah just kind of get involved on that one. I think um, I'm a big fan of Ron Howard to be honest. I think he's I think he's done some really some good films that um, I really en- I really enjoy, especially Rush, which was um, good. He's a, the thing is though that I am worried about is that he has he does have quite a particular style, and that's what I worry with how he's going to be able to take on pretty much someone else's work and, and turn it into 
the film is it's a it's a weird one but he's he's a good director he's professional and i think that he'll he he will do a good job and then and i think it's a good thing to be getting such a well-known director and um, with such a good cv to come in and take over this because you're going to need someone really professional to be able to to execute it properly now and 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 see it see it out to the end because of because of how unprofessionally it's been handed up to handed handled up to now yeah no I, and i i agree i think and and perhaps perhaps i might be a little bit too harsh on ron howard uh, for me i i think my initial take on when i heard the news that ron howard was hired to replace lord and miller was i thought it was a safe choice and the reason why i say that was because Ron Howard is definitely a proven quality director with a lot of his films. You know, you already you already listed Rush as one of his very well known movies, but also you know he had Cinderella Man uh, back in two thousand five mm. with uh, with Russell Crowe. He did uh, he did um, the Da Vinci Code, but not just the Da Vinci Code. He did all the sequels, Angels and Demons, um, Inferno, and he also did Apollo thirteen. You know, so he's done some very well known movies, and he's done a great job on them. What what I I guess the reason why I thought it was kind of a safe choice was because it it, it seemed like Star Wars was taking a chance with some up and coming directors and directors that ha- don't have too much um, clout under their belt like Ron Howard you know so you have Gareth Edwards you know who did uh, Rogue One and he really is only he really has only done a couple movies you know he did Godzilla and he did another very low budget film called Monsters. Um, or I think it was Monster or Monsters. I can't remember, but uh, um, you know. But other than that, not really much. And then you have, um, you know, then you have Lord and Miller, who've really only done just a couple handful of movies that they're known for. And so, yeah, I, I I'm with you though. I think he will do a good job. I, I was just kind of, I don't know. I was excited to have Lord and Miller direct this movie. I thought it was going to be very refreshing. I thought it was going to be a totally new kind of Star Wars film, but. I guess we'll see what it turns out like. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I agree. I didn't even consider, you know, things like approach and improv and and, and shooting style. I just, I just purely thought humor, humor wise, great, great. You know, it was, it was it, that was where I was sort of focused, rightly or wrongly, you know. But it was, um, it was something that that I thought was quite important to the Han Solo character, and and, and as I said prior, clearly that that wasn't quite nearly enough um, because they were falling short in other, you know, in the, in the big boss's eyes and other key areas really. So it's, yeah, it's a real shame. It is a real shame, but uh, hopefully there'll be, there'll be some, some bright sparks in it because um, I think me and you have spoken about something side that the people in it are are really good. I like the, um, can never pronounce his name for the person. And I'm not going to try and attempt to do it because I always get it wrong. (laughs) The lead, the guy who's playing the, who's, who's actually playing Han Solo, but then you also have, Donald Glover, who's 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 really um, really becoming him. massive now, because he's obviously he's um, he's freaking he's everywhere. He's he's Simba. Um, I, I spotted him in the trailer for Spider-Man: Homecoming. Which yeah, I don't think it's a big thing, but he's he's even got his own music, so he's massive. So in regards to the film itself, he's a shame the directors are gone, but there are there are still, and obviously you've got Woody Harrelson in it as well. I can't forget him. There are some still some bright some bright parts in it. I think that people should still really look forward to and don't let this kind of kind of cloud it. 
Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Well, hopefully, yeah. I mean, hopefully the movie is so good that no one is going to even remember, you know, the the directorial change that happened, you know, just m- months before uh, the movie comes out. Well, it's similar to <laughs> it's a similar situation to, but it's it's not a similar situation in the sense of that uh, we all know why Zack Snyder had to pull out from the Justice League, but it's obviously, and that wasn't due to a fallout. That was obviously some due to some tragic news, but. It was. It's the same in the sense of there's a worry because Joss Whedon's Avengers film is so opposite, like yeah, to right. to um, to what DC's trying to do. That DC obviously have quite a dark, serious tone, where the Avengers is a joke every twenty minutes, even maybe even less. So it's yeah, it's so it's in that sense, it's they're they're very very conflicting, and that's that's also a worry there. So it's a bit, it's a weird one for for directors um, kind of pulling out in, with such massive films as well and being taken over by people that have very opposite styles, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll take a crack at uh, the actor who's playing Han Solo. I think it's Alden Ehrenreich. I think. Oh, yeah. I believe. I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm going right. to back you. back you. And uh, then at least if we're both right, that's fine. And if we're wrong, we'll just go down together. Yeah, yeah and if you're wrong, I had to do it. If you're wrong, I had to do it. I said no. I said no. I was like, no, we're not going to do it. But he went there. So that's yeah. fine. It's good. Hey, guys, that's excellent stuff. Anything else from uh, the the movie news from Star Wars and Firing Lord of Miller? Any- uh, no, I think we're good there. I think we've covered... Uh, everything i uh let's have a quick look at the notes you know we're good that's the yeah just yeah. i think one big one big shame yeah, yeah definitely all right guys sounds good okay well uh we're gonna go ahead and end this episode with our last segment and that is our movie score of the month movie score of the month Okay, so this is uh, this is something that actually Ryan and I had been discussing uh, as well. Something we actually wanted to, we were actually thinking about doing an episode entirely dedicated to uh, doing, you know, just highlighting a, a composer, um, a, like a film score composer for movies, and um, and just a recent movie score that has come out with a recent movie. But uh, I, I think I think having this uh, just a part of this episode of kind of what's hot. I think I think it uh, I think it it fits in nicely and and plus i mean other than um you know just kind of given the background on the composer we're going to select um you know a lot of listeners probably don't pay too much attention to composers and and i'm i'm only assuming I, i'm sure there are a lot of people out there that enjoy uh movie soundtracks just as much as me or ryan and and simon i know i know you you say uh you might not know too much about composers but we're gonna we're gonna get you and we're gonna catch you to <laughs> convince well, you well it's funny to... <laughs> i mean I, I it's i think rye's definitely well no rye's definitely authority on this um in terms of knowing names knowing pieces and he's yeah. very very good at it but um i mean we it's something that i've definitely always been interested in in terms of the way I mean, I'm awful these days. I said it to Ryan numerous times recently, like the slightest tinge of um, emotional music or, you know, to go along with a, a, an emotional storyline. And I, um, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm in bits. So it's, it's definitely something that I've, I've, that's got me regularly and I am interested in, but Ryan's definitely the, uh, the well, authority. We, just, we both want to go see Hans Zimmer, don't we? Yes. So yeah. that's how much you're interested in it. He was willing to, put down yeah, some, a big yeah. wedge to, to go see Hans Zimmer in London. It's just um, something that there's a little bit of a, 
something a bit different there, isn't it? Um, but yeah, sorry, Karen, Andre kind of took over there a little bit. Yeah, yeah no, so and know. gosh, when you guys told me you were going to go see Hans Zimmer live in London, <laughs> I was so jealous. That would have sounds like it would have it would have been just an incredible experience. So I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I I just uh, liked looking at your guys' pictures. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was big time good. Yeah. So yeah, so I guess what uh, the purpose of having this segment is, uh, you know, Ryan and I thought it would be fun just to you know, have the listeners get to know, um, the composers more and really, really because, you know, a movie score, a film score is, is one of the unheralded parts of a movie and what makes a movie great. And I remember, and Ryan, I'll let you, you know, next month when we do this segment, I'll let you, uh, tell, uh, I guess what got you started on movie scores. But for me, uh, the first, um, film score that I remember, really recognizing and listening and going, holy cow, that that is incredible. I was actually pretty young. I think I was maybe nine years old. And uh, it was the film score to Last of the, uh, the uh, Last of the Mohicans with uh, um, Daniel Day-Lewis. And so I, um, that, oh my gosh, that movie score, uh, to, to this day, I still listen to it. I listen to it on a regular basis. And it is a very powerful, very moving film score. But this month, uh, the composer that I want to highlight is Rupert Gregson Williams, uh, and specifically on his work uh, w- with the Wonder Woman soundtrack. And so, Rupert Gregson Williams, he's a British film uh, film score composer, and uh, he's actually brothers to um, oh, whoops, I just had it right here. Oh yeah, Harry Gregson Williams, and they're both they are both film score composers. Um, but Rupert, uh, he he's done quite a few films actually and some uh, more recently so just last year the legend of tarzan and hacksaw ridge were film scores that he composed um, um some other significant ones uh, were b movie <laughs> the jerry seinfeld b movie and also hotel rwanda um but yeah wonder woman wonder woman for me was was a very powerful very beautiful film score and um, I definitely recommend any of our listeners to go out and check out his uh, the soundtrack for Wonder Woman. Uh, my my favorite song from that one, and and Ryan or Simon, if you guys have one from from that specific soundtrack, let me know. But uh, it's called it's uh, it's uh, track number six, and it's called No Man's Land. And so this was the scene where Wonder Woman. Um, you know, so Steve, Steve Trevor is telling her to stay in, in the, the trenches and not get out, you know, just because, uh, you know, she, he was, he was telling her how dangerous it was, you know, the moment you stick your head out of the trench, you're going to get shot, but she wouldn't listen to him. She wanted to act. She wanted to do something. She wanted to stop the war. And so she gets out of the trench and it's kind of, it's a very slow moving scene, but it's a very powerful scene. And so for me, uh, no Man's Land is my favorite uh, song from the Wonder Woman soundtrack. So I definitely recommend uh, Rupert Gregson and his work on Wonder Woman. But but really, uh, uh, you know, just going back and listening to a lot of his work, he's just he's done a great job, a really great job. So, um, uh, yeah. So, Ryan or Simon, anything else you wanted to add to uh, Rupert Gregson Williams? Well, um, yeah, I think he did a really good, really good job on that front. Um they, I liked, um, I can't remember what the track is. I think it was the Amazons of Femiskira. Yep. Um, yeah, that's the is, first, the first that, song. Yep. Yeah. I thought that was, that was, um, nice. But I think for me, being a massive Hans Zimmer fan, my favorite parts of it though, was when the, the, uh, thunderous kind of 
Thunder Woman theme kicked in that was used in Batman vs Superman. Which, oh yeah, <laughs> um, which Gregson Williams, which Gregson Williams, to be fair, had taken and and kind of put it into his music. So you got to you got to give real credit to that because I I I know that track really really well and it, and it was different in certain certain areas and it was it was done really well and especially like right right at the beginning of the film you could it was there was a very slow version of it and you could really you could really hear it um and it and it really kind of just set up the film really well that was when like you know when you have all kind of the production um logos appear it was kind of just played in the background and it was you have to listen to it carefully but you can just hear very slight parts of it and it was it was done really really well so it's a yeah it was a it's a good score and definitely one that um that i'm glad to have to be um recommending for people that are listening to go listen to because they they certainly won't be disappointed that's for sure yeah so the song that you were referring to it's actually track eight on on the wonder woman soundtrack it's called wonder woman's wrath and that yeah so the originals uh i guess the original song is from hans zimmer in the batman v superman movie um but yeah that's kind of interesting this is maybe something we could talk about later on in some other episodes but um just to point out it's kind of funny it sounds like at least from what I've been able to notice in all the DC films that we've had, some of the the superheroes kind of have their own theme song, which is something that the Marvel superheroes do not have. So, yeah, don't be surprised if you continue to hear Wonder Woman's theme song, uh, which was originally from Batman v Superman, continued to be in any, you know, Wonder Woman scene, whether it's a Wonder Woman standalone film or the Justice League coming out later. But, yeah. I think that's what, yeah, I think was, that's something you have to, take hats off like you say with the film in regards to the history of dc films because i think that i don't think they would have been able to get away with with not giving characters their own theme tune where marvel can do that so because you think superman and batman have always had like really iconic sounding kind of theme tunes especially that the, the uh, michael keaton batman and obviously the uh christopher reeve superman like they they've got very distinct especially obviously superman by john williams that's very very distinct so i think that they they had no choice to kind of go down that road but yet do that because when they man is still people were expecting like what what they're gonna do what well they, i love what it do for yeah superman. no and i love it and i'm glad they did it i i think it's fantastic but so uh last last but not least we're just going to give an honorable mention to a, a second soundtrack that came out in the month of june and that would be uh, the Transformers uh, The Last Night movie score from Steve Jablonski. Uh, Jab- Sorry, I have trouble with that name. But, uh, um, Mate, yes. you get kudos for the, um, <laughs> the old and Enrique. Uh, oh, he's it. on the oh, boat. No. You're on the oh, boat. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we're all going to sink. Um, <laughs> for, um, yeah, you get kudos for that, so don't worry too much. So, yeah, well, so Steve Jablonski, this is actually coming from Ryan and uh, one that I, I was actually very much considering to uh, give my my composer of the month to. But uh, so he he's actually done the film scores for all the Transformers movies. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think his most notable work has been the most recent uh, Transformers movie, The Last Night. Um, you know, out of out of all the highlights that I, I was able to pick out of that movie. Um, and even though a lot of people, you know, really hammered that movie uh, critically um the film score was beautiful i i really liked it so see so yeah, that that's the honorable mention from this month so we have rupert gregson williams and his work on wonder woman and then honorable mention from steve jab jablonski uh from transformers so all right guys well hey this is uh this has been the first inaugural episode of what's hot with uh ryan and simon from life of films so yeah thanks guys 
No worries. Thanks for no, having thanks. us, man. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been, been good fun. Hey, absolutely. Well, I definitely look forward to doing this monthly with you guys. And uh, I, I just, I don't know. It, it's It's been a lot of fun today. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun continuing to work with you guys. So so thank you. And uh, um, yeah, so just let our listeners know if they want to check you guys out, if they want to get a hold of Life of Films or follow you guys online, what's the best way to... I guess to uh, find your awesome work on movie reviews and things like that um, and what's the best way to follow you on social media um, well yeah so I'll, I'll take it around to that one the, um, yeah take it away to, to get a hold of us obviously we have um, a website that you can go on to we have contact details there through uh, lifeoffilms.com um, pretty simple to get get onto there and um, check out what we've done and, and um, if you have anything that you want to say to us then you can contact us we are actually looking at opening up doing some guest posting as well because the, the whole point of the site is to get people involved very much how Andre here gets people involved in um, his podcast because there's nothing better than hearing people's opinions on films and that's what we all we all really enjoy but um, if you want to get hold of us um, through Twitter, which we are on constantly, you'll see we're, we're really live on that all the time and you'll definitely get a reply from us. Our, um, our handle on that on Twitter is life underscore of underscore films. So still, still pretty simple. And yeah, just pop over, drop us a tweet, maybe follow us if you want. And, um, and just let us know what you think, because we really want to we really want to have conversations and talk to people. And Andre here gets gets involved on Twitter as well. And we have a, you know, a real good blast. So anyone listening, just come over and get, get talking to us and have a conversation. Because that's what we want. Yeah, for sure. I think the beauty of it is that um, the way we look at it is no one's actually really right, are they? It's more we want to hear the whole the, the whole roundup we want to know what what you know from the minor details to the to the to the big details that you saw it's all good fun it's all all great to get get talking about and we, we want to learn as well ultimately yeah definitely hey well simon and ryan thanks you guys again and, and listeners be sure to follow them on twitter and check out their website at www.lifeoffilms.com and listeners, thank you again for tuning in. Thanks for downloading today's episode. Make sure to stay up to date with all our episodes and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, or Stitcher, and really anywhere else that you might find uh, your podcast. And uh, yeah, leave us a rating. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, you can uh, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or even Podbean. But yeah, just leave us a rating. Let us know. And uh, make sure to follow Backseat Directors on social media as well. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And uh, again, uh, on behalf of Ryan and Simon, this is Andre Hutchins with Backseat Directors. And we'll see you guys next week at the movies. The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The BD Podcast.